when we look at healing shame, what we find is we heal when we get a different experience in a social context. So let's think about the person who feels so much shame about their addiction and they have not talked about it. They haven't shared it. They haven't revealed to others how they lied and deceived and stole. So he goes into this 12-step meeting and someone tells a story. He's encouraged to reveal this, to confess it, to stand before the group and say, I've done this thing. And then afterwards, people come up to him and hug him and say, thank you for sharing. I relate to that so much. You know, I did the same shit too. And all of a sudden, your shame transforms. Bill Wilson, co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, wrote in 1952, if we examine every disturbance we have, great or small, we will find at the root some unhealthy dependence and its consequent demand. Wilson suggested that if we could identify and continually surrender these unrealistic and unrealizable demands, that we may then be able to accomplish what he imagined to be the recovery's next frontier, something he called emotional sobriety. Flash forward 70 years and join psychotherapists and best-selling authors Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger, who have taken up the mantle of exploring Bill Wilson's new frontier. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety. Welcome to Emotional Sobriety, the podcast. This is Tom Rutledge, and uh, Dr. Alan Berger today is—I uh, don't know—he's probably sleeping, napping, whatever. He's—he's he's not here today, but but uh, uh, Patrick probably knows. Patrick, where is where is old Dr. Berger? Uh, he's probably fishing, or no? I actually just saw him um, in Palm Desert. I actually saw him in person after. Oh, that's right! Him. You got to see him in person. Well, I'd like to introduce our guest today, uh, the shame-busting psychologist. Author and mm -hmm. TEDx speaker Dr. Sean Horn is kind enough to be joining us and, uh, you know, share how some of her work uh, intersects with uh, the work we do here on emotional sobriety. Hi, Dr. Sean. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're really glad. We're really glad you're here. And uh, just in the short time that that I've uh, got to share some space with you on our Thursday night uh, support meeting, it's been it's been inter interesting and inter entertaining and. Uh, um, and, and, and educational. So I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you today. Oh, and I, you and so I've already much. noticed that, that we both, you, you, you like me have cats running in the background. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, that's good. I have cats and chickens and dogs and a rabbit, a house rabbit, actually. Oh, house. Oh, I have a friend who used to have a house rabbit, had a real problem with, with, with chewing cords. Does yeah, no, he's, do he's not doing that. No. We're, well, we try to watch it and we rabbit safe the house, but he's litter box trained <laughs> and his name is Mr. And he hops around. It's so cute. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We don't <laughs> have chickens. We have ducks. We're, we're, we're a duck family. So. Uh. Yeah, I thought about getting decks. This is part of what we're talking about too. Is everybody's experience is personal, and one of the things that that is so important about it, uh, in in all of this work, of course, is being sure that we're not uh, that we're using our past experience, you know, to 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 enlighten us for for what questions we might ask for how we might help other people. But we do not want to make the assumption that everybody fits into certain categories that 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 challenge you know that challenge and I, and I say that as a recovering person but it's like that's just a challenge as a human being to not to 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 really keep an eye on your assumptions and so that's I'll, right I'll, so i'll try not to assume all chickens are assholes because i've just had a few experiences <laughs> with with some some asshole chickens so so and all all ducks may not be kind so who knows that's we'll right find that out. but uh, not all really turkeys glad you're are here. turkeys 
I'll, I'll turkey. I, well, I think that statement is true. All turkeys are turkeys. It's very good. See, I told you it was entertaining. I appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, I just, I just, uh, Patrick had shared with me and I had not seen, I saw a clip of your, uh, your TEDx talk, uh, uh about shame busting. And, and I just watched that just this morning and really, really enjoyed everything you had to say about that. So, thank um, you. You, you, you know, jump in and tell us what you, when I went on that stage, like people oh, say, what was oh. that like? And I don't even uh, remember. All I remember is standing up there mm-hmm. and seeing the timer start and going, yada, 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 yada. And then boom, it's done. And I'm like, thank you. And I walk That's off. right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And then you go find ask, find somebody you trust and ask them, you know, did I, did I just ruin my career or <laughs> have I done something good or something in between, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you saw what you saw what I did in the beginning. I, I yeah, walked so, on the stage with toilet paper. Uh-huh. And so a lot of people said, did you do that on purpose? And they were having arguments and discussions because some thought it was on purpose and some thought mm-hmm, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, it definitely was on purpose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that the first very... person in history to walk on a TEDx stage with toilet paper on my shoe. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good to single yourself out that way. It's good. It, but no, I thought it was a wonderful mechanism for getting started with that. You know, yeah. it's just, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, how often do you hear from people that you know and you educate and work with that just how important your own your own vulnerability you're being comfortable with your own vulnerability is such is such a plus and yes. you know and and it's and it's and it's and it's actually surprising to me how often I I still will meet uh, uh, mental health professionals who don't get that or don't have don't have that. They, you know, that they're not quite ready to do that for with themselves. But man, I, it's like this. It's, first of all, it's the easiest thing in the world to do once you get there, because then all you got to do is just be yourself. Yeah, and and right. after and after that, it's like it's just you know, it's it, it just makes everything easier. So you know, I love Tom, I, I, I used to be a singing telegram performer when I was younger, <laughs> and I dress up like a giant raisin, and I'd walk in as Ronnie wrapping raisin and Nurse Noodle, and I would go into Costco and with my mm-hmm. kazoo and my balloons and entertain the crowd, and it, I had no problem doing that. But there was one costume where I wasn't covered in a, you know, my face wasn't covered. I was just in a tuxedo. (laughs) And that one, I felt the most embarrassment and performance (laughs) anxiety because I felt so seen. And it was interesting when I took, I had that idea to go on the stage with toilet paper. I thought, oh, this (laughs) is going to be great. And I thought it was really funny (laughs) until I told some people and they were like, oh gosh, don't do that. Why are you doing that? You can't, you know, that's not dignified, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, and when they mm-hmm. started to say that to me, I started to get the shame response of like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, they is some will receive this well, some won't receive this well. And that right. actually was the one thing that I was most freaked out about was walking on the stage like that, even though it was my idea. And I didn't feel that way until people started reacting to right. me negatively and cautioning me. Well, which is a perfect example of the, you're doing it right now, the vulnerability part, because because, you know, you're you're the shame busting psychologist. You're you're there. But what you're talking about is is the very the the very personal, very specific way your shame gets triggered. You know, mm-hmm. it's like and, and, and part there's all kinds of there's a different versions and different angles on shame. But but that excessive self-doubt is certainly a ver- a part of that shame monster in our head that that basically they just I mean sometimes all it has to say after all these years with me is all it has to do is fold its arms and kind of look at me and like 
You know, it's, it's sort of like the, you know, the old thing of, is that what you're going to wear? Really? You know, really? Like, you're going to do that? Oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> we collapse into that. I love, but yeah. see, I love that story that basically, yeah, you were fine with that until, until, you know, you, you just gave a little bit too much space to, uh-huh. to that, to that self doubt that was, uh-huh. that was, uh, you know, it's, it's, and that's on, you know, that's what we, we teach people all the time is that's how that's on us. We have to figure out, you know, that that's not us so that we can have a choice. Yes. Well, shame is a social emotion. So Mm -hmm. we can be just fine until the other shows us that disapproval. Mm -hmm. And then our our natural shame response is activated. Mm -hmm. And so that's Mm -hmm. what I'm so passionate in helping people understand is that we have this automatic shame response that isn't based on our thought. It's not based on our history. It's not where you've been, who you are, what you've done. It is hardwired into our body and it will react like a reflex given the right conditions. And it's there for our adaptive uh, survival. Because if we get kicked out of our tribe, of our people, then we're not going to survive. So it is there to say, stop now. This is going to danger you and others. And, And it plays a critical role in all of our emotion, emotional difficulties and our behavioral difficulties and our uh, maladaptive coping skills. It's at core of all of our emotional behavioral struggles. Right. And, 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 and the reflex part is so important for people to understand because, well, for, first of all, because, because we tend to abuse ourselves in layers. So, so once we understand that we, we have an issue with shame, we begin to shame ourselves for being ashamed. And, yeah. it's, and, and it goes, it, I mean, it comes, yeah. to, you know, that's the toxic shame yeah yeah if it were an olympic event i mean it's like you know there are times in my life where i could i would have been a gold medalist and i would have felt horrible about it you know it's it's like but it's but it's that uh no i i use the same idea about reflex when i'm when i'm dealing with the stuff when i wrote about fear is the idea that it began the 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 writing i done uh, about fear is the idea that there's a there's a place to to, and I noticed, yeah, you do a similar thing with shame. It's, it's the idea that that we have to, first of all, distinguish between what's healthy and what's not healthy for us. What's, 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 and really what that means is what's effective and what's not effective. It's like, right. you know, there is, there are, fear, fear is a very, it's, there's a reason that fear and that shame are in there as reflexes. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people will say, there's no, why are you saying shame is bad? We need shame. You know, it's important. Mm-hmm. And yes, it is important. That's the healthy shame. When, mm-hmm. when a kid is hitting mm-hmm. somebody and you say stop and you have this very mm-hmm. strong corrective stance, that is so important. But what's not uh, healthy is the toxic shame where now the correction has turned into personal condemnation. So instead right. of that is a that is a bad thing, you become a bad person. You are bad. I am bad. Yeah. yeah. I am bad and unworthy and less than and different. And that is what we want to heal in our recovery Mm -hmm. journal, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. that is going to really trip us up. That's the part of your talk that resonated with me, I think is, or one of the things that resonated was um, the problem with letting our mistakes become our whole identity and trying to Mm -hmm. distinguish, not not letting become our whole identity. And um, can you speak to that maybe? Yes, there's a when we're talking about shame, we'll say um, healthy shame is when you make a mistake, you just made a mistake. You use that information to correct your behavior. Mm -hmm. But toxic shame is the message that when you made a mistake, you didn't just make a mistake, you are a mistake. Mm -hmm. You are fundamentally less than. 
And so that's when we go, see, guilt is an internal conviction. It's so different than shame. And people get those mixed up all the time. That is an internal conviction of, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's kind of in our hidden uh, dialogue, right? But uh, shame itself is an external correction. And then toxic shame is an external uh, condemnation right. that then right. becomes a personal condemnation. Yeah. Well, one of the things I appreciate about what you do, too, is you is you take the time to to. to uh, be clear about language. This is something that, that Alan and I have talked about quite a bit and this stuff is, is the idea that, you know, because if we, you know, we really sit down and, and look at the, uh, just any group or collection of, of professional people helpers, it's like, there's, there's really not a lot of difference in what we, what we ultimately, if we're, if we're paying attention, we get to the same stuff, but we often have different language for it. And so, and I've, and I, you know, doing couples work through the years, one of the things I've, I've recognized is that I work with couples frequently where it's like, if you really listen to the content of what they're talking about, they may not even be disagreeing as much as they think they are. They, they are just using different language. And it's, it's like, it's amazing how often we, we let, we let, you know, those, those uh, uh, interpretations we have, those instant interpretations of what certain things mean. So I love the idea that you talk about what the difference of that, that you can interchange, that, that well, we just own, we own our own language. The idea is the glossary with working with me would be that I'm more likely to use the word guilt, you know, there, but I like, but, but, but uh, I think, I think John Bradshaw talked about healthy shame that, that it made a lot of, yeah. lot of sense, you know, to that. And it's, and it's, it's just so important to be able to, um, yeah, to, to to understand what we mean by that, and it's in. But but the idea. One of the things I was going to say is is you know how many times have you worked with a client that basically if you you realize they're they're so shame based from the very beginning that you realize if you I mean and, and very often sometimes sometimes there are situations they can go back to to help find the origin of that and many though will tell you that they feel like they were born bad you know it's like it's it's like it goes so you know what do we know about that well we know. It, 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 we know that it's, it's very goes very is very deep. I think it tends to it's preverbal. You know all of all of these things that I've that a lot of that I've learned from my wife, who's very good at being able to pick up on the preverbal stuff with clients. And it's like like um, and and so we you know we have to travel back all all the way to that very core of where they made decisions somewhere in their head that this, you know, whether it was given to them directly or just through how they were treated. Right. Mm -hmm. is, is right. It, the shame, the shame response is, has been found at 15 months of age where guilt isn't okay. until you're six years of age where you have complex mm -hmm. thinking. Mm -hmm. So it is part when of when you're trying to get them to have it right. You're going, at six, you're going like, no, 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 now you need, now you need to feel guilt. Think about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so here you have the formation of the person and their sense of self and their sense of identity. And if you're getting this message constantly from the environment, either mm -hmm. directly or indirectly, then that gets formed into our sense of self. And what many people don't know is that shame is actually a trauma response. So it mm -hmm. functions just like PTSD, but in a social context. And so what a lot of people feel a lot of shame about is they have a misguided assumption that if they're given insight, if they're given knowledge, that will correct their behavior. And if that's true, then we wouldn't be smoking and we wouldn't be eating sugar and we wouldn't be overweight. Having knowledge does not equate behavioral change. And that's so important to know that. And a lot of people also think that if I do therapy, I'll have an arrival spot. Like I'll, I'll do this work and I will have arrived and it will be <laughs> done. And they don't understand that is a life. It's a process. It comes and it goes. And 
I tell people, um, imagine you have a timeline and on that timeline is every thought you've ever had, feeling you've ever experienced, behavior you've ever done and wrap it around and connect it. And this is your conveyor belt that goes into the gates of your mind. And if you've ever thought it, it will come to you. If you've ever felt it, it will come to you. And there's nothing we're going to do that's going to get rid of it, but we can manage it differently. And so the key is not to resist it. Why, if only, could have, would have, should have, have to, I hate, you know, that's resistance. Mm -hmm. Or to cling to it, which is ruminate and hold on to it. What we want to do instead of those two things is just see it flow in and flow out, flow in and flow out, and then bring yourself back into the moment. And that's what's so powerful about the serenity prayer and taking things one day at a time is it's a tool to let that flow and reframe and reorient yourself to the here and now rather than getting preoccupied with the past or the future. I think they call it don't pasteurize and future trip, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to do those two things, but really live in the present moment and just every day is a new day. And that is that's some of the parts that help us to overcome toxic shame. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of the things we say around here is, is learn from the past and get the hell out of there. It's like, you don't, you don't, you don't want to stay, you know, you want to stay. And, and, but, but, you know, you, you emphasize something that, that this been, been a mainstay for me as well with, with, with my own life and, and, and we're working with clients is, is it's so important to realize how much time and energy we waste on um, on trying to get rid of things. We don't have to get rid of it. You know, we're going to learn to we're we're going to change our relationship with it. We're going to manage it. It's um, you know more more recently, I was talking to Alan. I think we might have been doing this, Patrick, on on the podcast. I can't, I can't remember where our conversations are these days, but it's like it's you know I, I realized that when I'm talking, I talk a lot about the multiplicity of the mind and work with the intrapersonal relationships, and it's. It's one of the things that, you know, the word that comes up a lot of times with other therapists or like with the family system, inner family system stuff is integration. And and that's never set well with me in terms of the way I think about that. And I've been using the word organization since more recently. It's like because I've talked about making, finding that decision maker, that part of you that can be in charge and, and, and do what the things that you're talking about. And it really is like running an organization understanding what needs to happen here. And it's like, and you talk, you know, when I, I have a metaphor about emotions that people either love or hate, but I just call it the emotional digestive system. You know, the, the, that emotions, emotions are neither good or bad. And that includes one of the ones that get the bad reputation, anger. Oh my God. You know, it's like, it's like they're, they just want to come through. You know, and ironically, what we do is, of course, we hold on to and store and become constipated with the ones we're most uncomfortable with. You know, we, yes. you know, and so that the idea of people get, being able to do what you're talking about is like, no, we want to find a way to 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 acknowledge, respect, understand and let it let it pass through. Because yeah. then we're clear. They were talking about making one day at a time easier Then the next day. We're we're, we're clearer. We're better to start with. Tom, you, you know? are so spot on with that. Mm -hmm. And I love that analogy. And that is the idea of the emotions being a life cycle that we ingest it, digest it and expel mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. if we don't expel it, the issues get in our tissues and we literally do get emotionally constipated. Well, and a lot when, of times, and, yeah. 
I just as you say, thank thank you for saying that because that's valid. Because what I say to people, I don't know a lot about physiology, but I do know that that the only way that that eating whatever we eat becomes toxic is if we become constipated, if it gets blocked, and that's yes. the only time that that that's when that's when emotions become poisonous or dangerous to yeah. us is when they're blocking. I never you just added that piece; it gets into our tissue. It yeah. uh, you know it 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 stays too it overstays its welcome, you know. But the, but I love the idea though that that the the emotions themselves are innocent. They just want to come through. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's so funny when people do trauma work and they process these deep emotions that have been held into their body, they literally release air. They literally yawn. They will burp. They will get gas. Mm -hmm. And I call those trauma farts. because mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. finally releasing or you cry. You can't cry when you are in a fight, flight and freeze like a, a severe threat state. Right. Right. Because when you cry, it washes that body with oxytocin, which is mm. the feel good chemical. So a lot of times it's not until mm. we feel safe that our body will cry. And people mm -hmm. think, why am I crying? I'm happy. I'm just driving. And I say, release it. That's that's the mm -hmm. trauma and farts coming out. And you just got to mm -hmm. let that go and do that. But you you are so right about emotions are our allies. And mm. what happens is if we resist them, they get louder. Like you're not hearing me. And yes. like fear is saying, mm -hmm. don't, you know, screw off. You need to do your taxes and you're and mm -hmm. you keep doing it, keep doing it. And finally you're having panic attacks because it's turning up the volume and saying, listen, this is important. Mm -hmm. And so what I like to do with folks is turn their inner critic. And that comes from shame into your ally. Cause mm -hmm. you, like you were saying with couples, they both have the same mm -hmm. goal, which is to keep you safe, mm -hmm. but they're doing it in different ways. So shame is saying, don't you dare say this or do this or else, right? They're going to know how stupid you are. Right. They're going to know that you are this and that. And ultimately, it's wanting you to save face socially. And so we need to bring that shame in and say, okay, thank you. I get it. You want me to be safe in this social context. And now I'm going to take over. I'm going to let my inner leader take over. And we are going to do it in a different way, in a more adaptive mm -hmm. way. And then we can start to soften a little bit of that internal voice that's just really um, getting after us about things. Yeah. Sounds like a good, good way to run the, uh, the organization, right? I mean, it's that's that's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's respectful. It's like part of what, you know, what I hear from, from, from Sean is, is, the, is that I understand that, you know, I mean, it, it, no surprise that any of us who tend to be, and I conclude myself historically in this, this one, and Patrick, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this in terms of our, our shared history of, of uh, let's see, I think the clinical term is beating the holy fuck out of our ourselves all the time. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's like recovering from that is so essential and it's certainly a part of the emotional sobriety process with that. But the other thing, even before that, even to, even to get and stay sober as addicts that that that, that I am, uh, you know, you you can't you're not gonna you're you're not well. I mean, you can be it's dry and sober. You could you're not gonna really have sobriety unless you can deal with this underlying stuff. I, I, I've, I've said this on this podcast before. It's like my first sponsor in AA said, you know, made the point in his, his words exactly where there's 12 steps of recovery. Only one of them mentions alcohol. You know, he said the rest of them are about how to be better people. And what we're yes. talking about is better, better people in the way of being able to be better functioning people. 
You know, mm-hmm. it does. It does be be a better person in the world. That's that's a, that's an important part of of this this uh, having having done therapy through the through the eighties, where I think we kind of lost the, the, the that was the last century, by the way. It's like it, way back in the nineteen hundreds. It's it's we, where I, I really began to think we were losing touch with the fact that we were actually recovering ourselves, so that we could we could rejoin the world and, and to, to participate productively in the world. And we were we, we it was just sort of this narcissist approach to you know me 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 it's me and my inner child and all this other stuff and so it's so cool to get to beyond that to the place where no we're trying to be better people and but it, but the, the hardest part for people to get is what especially with shame and, and and I say this like I know it but I'm going to say like a true false question for you it's like like it's it's basically taking that value system that most of us have in terms of how we treat other people and the biggest challenge is can you treat yourself the same way? Mm-hmm. Can you can you treat? It's the reverse golden rule. Can you can you treat yourself the the way you the way you would treat? It may be a best friend, but it would be the way you treat the clerk in the store, too. I mean, mm-hmm. so often we are we 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 have this dangerous double standard, you know, that you deserve yeah. a break and, and I don't. You know that I'm that I'm. Mm-hmm. I call it negative arrogance. You know, it's like we're 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 different. We're special, but not in a good way. Yeah, this is this is something that I think blows a lot of people's minds is that we think it's good news to say this shame does not belong to you. This inner critic, change it, learn to mm-hmm. let, talk to yourself mm-hmm. like you do a friend. But what we're doing is we are challenging their very defensive strategy for getting Absolutely. a sense of control to manage what they feel out of control with. So I feel out of control with people and circumstances so, but I can control my self-hatred. I can control my inner critic. And I feel empowered when I do that. But it's a deceptive empowerment. Mm-hmm. There is no power in it. It just fuels the fire. And so we have to help mm-hmm. people release their investment into holding on to that self-bitterness and mm-hmm. to get comfortable with the unknown and get comfortable mm-hmm. with being out of control, ultimately serenity prayer in action. Well, one yeah. of, I love the way you describe that because one of, one of the things about that is that, that it's uh, one of the, my favorite things about therapy is g- getting to surprise people. It's like uh, uh, you, 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 you were, you were a singing telegram person. I was, I was, I, I long before I ever thought about being a therapist, I, I was a magician. I performed for as a magician for years. And it's like, so, you know, and, and, and there, there's just a, any of us have been at entertainment and then this, you know, there's so much, there's a lot of, there's a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. there, there really is. And it's, it's like, but, but the idea, because uh, when you say the investment in, so if we just take that in, intrapersonal relationship, the investment in the, the, I can control this criticism, it's, you know, and this goes to some of what Alan talks about with the, with the differentiation. That's because the I, my, the I, my identity, I'm, 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 I'm identifying with the aggressor. I'm putting myself in the position of my should monster. And because that's a more powerful place to be, I am a piece of shit. You are a piece of shit is what it feels like. It's like, but what we actually do, which is, which is a bit of the trick, which is help them get into the position of the, of the part of themselves, what is more, I think their more authentic self is that really is going to feel more victimized by that. What does it feel like to hear that? You know, I put that should monster on the outside of them as as you probably do as well as so that they can feel the pain. 
because yeah. the pain is the motivator. It's like, you know, it's like, cause when they put themselves, we when do workshops. I'll do those, those things quite literally in, in experiential exercises and people will, you know, they lose that power. They lose that sense of, of control because they're now in there, you know, and you can, I mean, different metaphor systems, but you can also say that's inner child work. It's like, now you're, now you're the, now you're the innocent little person inside of you who's having to feel this. Now that's, that's the motivation. That's who we're going to stand up for. Yeah. That's who and we're going to fight back for. Yeah. yeah. And the pain's not going to kill you. It's overrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of people, well, you've already, sur- uh, the, yeah. the origin of it, you've already survived it. When we're You've talking about trauma, that's, that's one of the most important pieces to give people. It's like, it's not, I, I can't stop it from hurting now. I can't stop the reflex that like you're saying, but, but it's like, but yeah. I can keep reminding you and I can teach you to remind yourself is whatever, wherever it started, you already made it. You already went through the hard part. Now you're just doing recovery. Yeah. yeah. That's the yeah. good news. Yeah. yeah. It's powerful work to do this with folks. And they are so afraid and we need to build their self-trust because they don't trust themselves that they can do different and that they can treat themselves well and take care of their needs. And, and they're so afraid of that pain. And that's where I find that people have different pain tolerance and for emotions like they do with physical pain. Some people it's unbearable and some people can endure quite a lot. And it, there's, no, there's no virtue to that. There's no value. And a lot of uh, trauma survivors, abuse survivors see it as a virtue. If I can take it, I'm tough. I'm oh, strong. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. good about me. And that is the lie that was given to people to encourage them to continue to subject themselves to that as a measure of their, their value. And so we have to release that and begin to practice this new way of being. And as I find that as clients begin to do that, and they begin to say, you know, I really don't want to do that. I want to do this. And they begin to anticipate their needs, pack their lunches, take their jacket, make plans for something fun. And they follow through with it. They're like, hey, I can do this. And they kind of stand up taller and they mm-hmm. feel more empowered and emboldened. And life is so much easier. But we do have to walk through that pain to get to the other side. And it honestly is not as bad as it feels. It's like mm-hmm. that first time you stand on a on a top, on a, a high dive. Did you ever do that as a kid? Those oh, tall, yeah, like go yeah. to the pool and those mm-hmm. high dives, and you just stood at the end and you're paralyzed, and you've got this line of kids behind you. They're screaming at you, "Come on, just mm-hmm. do it, just do it!" And you, can, and you can barely do it, right? You want to mm-hmm. pee yourself, and mm-hmm. finally you muster up the courage and you dive, and then you realize that was so much fun. Let's do it again, and so that's that. Break. And and you realize that once you're in the pool, you could pee yourself. It's okay. <laughs> it's, and there's no die that's following you that people are going to see it. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I want to go back to something you said, though, about tolerance. It's like because tolerance is, is something, too, that I think about that we work with. We, we uh, in, the, in the most basic, simplest form, I say we, we're, we're do, working with two different tolerances. We're working with a, a, a way too high a tolerance for pain and for bullshit. And, th- and this can be interpersonal as well as intrapersonal. It's like we have too much of it in here. And, and those of us who have too much of a tolerance for, for being for mistreating ourselves, for that, that, that shame to be there. Obviously, we're we're vulnerable to be we match up with the people who are going to do that. It's like. But the other tolerance is that we have to stretch is that I call it the pleasure tolerance, the tolerance for the good things. This is this is the thing where. 
in one of my workshops, what I do is like we do a, a negative self-talk aspect of the workshop earlier on where, where you hear other people saying all these horrible things that you say to yourself. And, but then, and that's hard. But the harder, a harder one for most people, at least early on, is the one where later we're going to say all these positive things. You're going to, you're going to get the most positive things. And that's where you see, you know, people have different responses, different tolerances, but it's like a lot of times the people will do everything from just, just, I mean, sometimes they just melt into it and that's, and that's painful, but but healthy, but some people just shut down because it's, and if if we're doing that, but I know I'm doing it too soon. It's like, this is too soon. I don't need to be pushing. I don't need to make, I don't need to make the the, hearing nice things about yourself to be a, to be a, a, a it's going to be an uncomfortable experience. I don't want it to be another abusive experience. Yeah. We want to stretch them, but not stress Mm -hmm. them. Right. Right. (laughs) Damn it, Sean, you're a wonderful human being. (laughs) <laughs> go do fuck it now. you if you don't understand that <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know people develop an aversion to the positive just like we see with children who have been in orphanages and aren't touched they end up getting an aversion to touch and we yeah. know how important touch is and so it's how can this human being not like to be touched that is a conditioned response and one of the most important things for people to understand is that a therapeutic principle and a masterful life principle is Don't follow your feelings, guide your feelings. And feelings are not facts. It's information to attend to. And that's what you're saying. Feelings are neutral. Emotions are Mm -hmm. neutral. They're just information. It's Mm -hmm. what we do with it that is the big key, right? So the feelings aren't facts. Thoughts aren't truths, but it's information. And so as we recognize, I have this aversion to treating myself well, to doing something good. It fires Mm -hmm. up all this inner critic or this message of who do you think you are? You're not so special, you know, whatnot, but release that, you know, we're not going to let that be our truth anymore. It's just noise, like a radio in the room and Mm -hmm. push through the discomfort. And over time you will recondition that response. So you will be comfortable. It's like a hiking trail that if you go on it and it keeps being walked on, it's going to be established but you have another trailer that's grown over. But if you keep working at it, that will get established and the old mm-hmm. one will get grown over. And that's how we reshape our brain. So we can reshape a new behavior, a new thought with continual practice. And then it mm. becomes comfortable because now it's a groomed pathway in our brain mm-hmm. and we can just go smoothly and know that it's okay uh, to treat ourselves. And I well. love I love the fact that, that nowadays, whereas opposed to when I started in this business where we where this really wasn't known, and nowadays with with uh, um, neurological research and understanding of the brain, we understand that literally we're doing that. We're actually blazing new trails, uh, you know, through these places. You know, I, I always talk about Dan, Daniel Siegel and his his work, uh, and and you know, yeah. and Dan is, is like he. He's somebody that I can I can listen to and I love it because he he helps me understand why therapy works. He, when he talks, I, I he goes he explains to me how the brain works and it works. But I don't know about about anybody else. But for me, he I, I, he's so he's so smart that um, and I have a feeling I haven't talked to you a long time. But I have a feeling you may follow the same category where it's like I can hear it, I can understand it, but then if I try to explain it to somebody else, I can't quite get it. You know, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, I say, oh, no, Dan made all this sense. And they say, what did he say? And you go like, 
just just, tr- just trust me it was really good <laughs> yeah. that's, but that's i love that blazing yeah. the trail the thing because that yeah. is it it's it, because it also goes to what we talk about in recovery and in in, in our work is you know one of the things i said just i'm just a it's a pet peeve of mine is is because i messed this up for many years of my life is information you know information alone does nothing for us i mean the best idea in the world is is useless and possibly dangerous because i used to think if i you know i read this book and i got this great idea that i would be fine you know it's like well that's dangerous because that's not going to you know if we can't translate this stuff into practice you know, yeah. which really to me is what emotional sobriety just yeah. looking at from those lenses is, is what about is like, but it's, so that's what you're saying is we have to not only do that, but a friend of mine, I used to do these workshops with, she would say, you have to be willing to do the boring part. And the boring part, <laughs> she says, is just repeating over yes. and over and over. And that's how, that's, that's how, you know, we, we live off of some property. My, my wife has trails for our horses and things. And the way, the way we know if, a, if something is a trail that she has created is if I can find my way home, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I, I can easily get lost. And if even I can find my way home, then it's a trail. And yes. it's like, but it has to be done at first. It's just little broken branches, a couple of rocks moved, you know? Yes. So I, I yes. love that. Yes, it's there's so much hope into what we can do with our brain and how we can reshape our lives. And we're not and we can you can teach an old dog new tricks. Yes, I'm I'm 68 years old and I can still learn stuff and and my brain can get it. I love that. That's right. That's right. And when we look at healing shame, what we find is we heal when we get a different experience in a social context. So let's think about the person who feels so much shame about their addiction and they have not talked about it. They haven't shared it. They haven't revealed to others how they lied and deceived and stole. Mm-hmm. And let's say they were stealing booze at the, alco- at the store, but it's an attorney, you know, and stealing because he doesn't want it to be known on the card or something and then hides it in the house and in the office and is drinking before he goes into the courtroom. And now he's been found, he's ready to go recovery. And there's no way in hell that he's going to stand in front of people and tell them what he, he, as an attorney has been, what illegal activity he has been doing. Right. So he goes into this 12 step meeting and someone tells a story. He's encouraged to reveal this, to confess it, to stand before the group and say, I've done this thing. And he finally musters up the courage to do it. And he does it. And then afterwards, people come up to him and hug him and say, thank you for sharing. I relate to that so much. You know, I did the same shit, too. And you know what else I did? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You sick fuck. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they start mm-hmm. laughing. Exactly. And, and all of a sudden, your shame transforms. Yep. Because now you see that you're okay in the social group. And when we repeat that over and over... It completely corrects the trauma response in our brain because now we've re- we've taught our brain that I can be safe with people and I don't I get to choose what people I want to be subjected to and I now am not a child I'm an adult I'm the adult in the room so I can leave I can walk out mm-hmm. that door I can mm-hmm. get in my car I can tell someone to stop I can call the police as a child I couldn't do that 
So we, we remind ourselves, we reorient to our adulthood. And that's the, our little child who's been in the driver's seat. We mm-hmm. need to say, oh, honey, mm-hmm. no, you're not ready to drive. Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. here. We're putting you in the mm-hmm. back. The adult now is taking over mm-hmm. in this organization. And yeah. I am going to let my inner wisdom drive this car and recognize right. that I have autonomy and, and choices. Abs- absolutely. Bob Subby, Robert Subby, who wrote a book called Lost in the Shuffle. Uh, one of the things I quote from that book uh, so often is, is as children were victims, as adults were volunteers. And, 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 and what he means by that, is that. Not, it's not a shame message of like, oh, you're wrong. Yeah, because we'll, we'll go through that phase, too. But, but it's, yeah. it's what it's saying is you have a choice. And it's like it's like we can we can get our way. We can get ourselves out of that. But it's 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 interesting to me. One of the reasons I really was attracted to that that quotation from him was I realized when I was doing so much inner child work back in the day and is, is that is that we what would happen with you know unconsciously for people is they would they would they would when they got in touch with that inner child, they project their shame onto the inner child. They, they would shame, they would be, you know, of course, what basically that's what he means is like any of us who have been mistreated, neglected, or hurt in some way, we, we find a way to continue that in our, in our lives. And that's what we, you know, we're all inner child abusers basically. And yeah. it's like, and again, what we want to be able to say is like, that's not, that's not material for more shame. That's, that's, yeah. that's a problem definition for us to work with because, because yeah. once you are aware of this, once you're aware that you're mistreating yourself this way and what that feels like for that, that part of you that, that bears no responsibility for how this came to be, it's like, mm-hmm. You know the people we the you know, the people who show up for therapy they're going to want to work with that. You know, mm-hmm. the, I mean, there are people out there that that basically you know, you know, well the, the the people who you know often say the people who probably really need to be in therapy aren't there anyway. You know, yeah. because they don't, yeah. they, they don't show they and or they or not, they come in well they well they come yeah. in until we tell them something honestly that, that you know that you know how dare you tell me the truth about myself and then you know yeah. Yeah. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Sorry. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, when, the, when we talking to someone who is abusing their inner child, as you say, mm-hmm. we are addressing their adaptive strategy as a child. It was easier yep. to survive the reality oh. that I am bad than to say I am subjected to these adults who are not able to create a psychologically and physically safe home environment for right. me, the, that they right. don't love me. Yeah. There's still hope. There's still hope. If it's, if it's me, you know, that's, that's one of the things I learned early on. If it's me, if it's, if I'm that bad, then there's still hope that, that I could change and make things better. It's hope like, it's, and, and grief, grief over my, wow. I really did have that situation. My parents right. really didn't right. love me the way I needed and that sometimes mm-hmm. is so aversive to people. They just don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. But that's that's that balance of opposites existing at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can be empowered and find freedom and experience grief at the same time. That's and great. so it's that. just express it and make peace with it. And then you can have that freedom and you can find compassion yeah. for their yeah. journey, for your journey, instead right. of continuing to resist. Yeah, and there's yeah. another aspect of that of that how we one of the pieces that we where we become the 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 intrapersonal abuser of ourselves is it's I, I use the simple silly analogy which is if every time if you and I were in the same room and every time we met 
not always, but some of the, or some of the time you just reached out and slapped me. It's like, I don't know when you're going to do it, but you do it. And so what I do is I get, you know, you, you have a certain little, little tell, a move of your left shoulder or something like that. And so what I do is I got it. You know, I just slap myself. It's like God is. So what we do is, is where I can do this better myself. I will, I will hold myself to such a hard, a hard standard that basically, yeah. basically I'm going to protect myself from, mm-hmm. from Sean slapping me one more time. It may or may mm-hmm. not work, but, it, but, yeah. but, but, but the idea makes perfect sense. And of course, isn't that what we also do with our clients is I'm always telling people, it's like, people go like, Oh, you're crazy. If you go to therapy, you go like, we spend most of our time explaining to people how they're not crazy. That's right. It's like, normalizing the human. You make, you make perfect yeah. sense. How would you be any other way once That's you understand right. what's happening here? Yeah. Yeah. And how amazing it is that you actually survive that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always tell people the first thing when you first meet your inner child, first thing you need to say is thank you. You know, first yeah. congratulations, maybe, but mostly thank you because I wouldn't be here because they didn't have self-help books. They weren't they weren't listening to podcasts to, to get them through. They, 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 our, our kids inside of us, they figured this shit out. You know, mm-hmm. they're survivors. Yeah. And it's like you go like this. I mean, you're going to go like, no, no, this is great. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that, you know, and I wouldn't be here if you weren't here. So now yeah. let's let's get to work and see if we can clear up some of some of uh, uh, these. See if we can't heal some of these yeah. wounds. Yeah. And I want to yeah. highlight what you were saying about the volunteer and how a lot that triggers a lot of people when mm. they're told you have a choice. And there's a lot of discussion right now about people saying it's not a choice. You, your body response, your brain response is not a choice. Mm-hmm. But here, here is how we want to look at that. The body's reaction, the nervous system reaction is not a choice. It's a reflex, right? right? right. So something activates me. I have a shame reaction. I have uh, grief, sadness, anxiety, whatever it is. What is a choice is how I respond to that mm-hmm. reaction whether I continue to uh, believe it and shame it and resist it, or if I recognize that it needs soothing. And so I acquire skills to learn on how I can soothe my nervous system, that I recognize it doesn't feel safe. So I use my newly acquired therapeutic skills Mm -hmm. to learn how to create safety for myself And so that's where we're using our modern evolved brain to direct what needs to happen in our internal forecast and our internal weather system, instead Mm -hmm. of just letting that internal weather system just take over without being equipped on how I'm going to get through that storm. And so it both is happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. You don't have a choice and you have a choice. And that is a message that's getting confused and lost a lot right now is on social media and mm-hmm. a podcast with all these, all this psychobabble mm-hmm. noise that's out there right now, and life coaches and everything. It's a choice, your attitude. And it it's really shaming people more because yeah. they say, I want to do this, but I can't stop this reaction. And so that's where when we learn about our brain well, and our bodies, right. it can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's it, it, yeah. The the thing is, it's like when you say it's a choice, it's not a choice. What are we? What one more time? And it all comes back to this. It, you just you just had a very brief version of the serenity prayer. The question yeah. is, what do I have a choice of? No, I don't have a choice of. I don't have a choice of my reflexes. You know, yeah. it's like if, if 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 one of us sits up on a table, the other one takes one of those little cool rubber hammers and hits hits our hits the knee there, and you know, the other person cannot hold on to my. Even another person yeah. can't make me not have a reflex. You know, yeah. I mean. You 
you pretty much have to kill me for that. I think it's it's yeah. like it's 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 like the reflex is there, but it's that you're talking about that what you know so many different people talk about this, but Victor Frankl talks about it as that 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 space and time between stimulus and response. And it's like, yeah. you know, and we also want to be because because people will take what we teach. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the challenges of writing. I would you would probably agree with that. One of the challenges of writing when you're sitting there talking with somebody, you could tell if I'm saying something and 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 they're likely to take it and turn it on themselves. So they take good information and turn it on themselves. But if we're in a conversation or if I'm going to see you again next week, we're going to, we'll we'll get through that. With your when you're writing it, the challenge there is to is 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 I want to be sure that this as best I can, I'm conveying the information that you're going to be able to use, and I'm going to understand that some many of the readers are going to have a a, a, a tendency to turn those those messages into shame. You know, even though yeah. they're not intended that way. So I think I think that idea is is really important. Like what you're saying is is to know that that uh, you know we we have a choice over what we have a choice about, but we, we also want. I, we can't emphasize this enough. This is really hard. It's, it's really like hard. and it's really detailed. It's it's like yeah. this 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 investigation we do. It's like I want people to know because that's anytime the word just is involved. You know, we'll just yeah. do this. You know, it's like I work a lot with eating disorders, you know, just eat. Oh, oh you know, it's like somebody telling me, you know, well, you should just drink less. Oh, OK, yeah. well, let me write okay. that down, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not working. Uh, and, yeah, and and and, yeah. and it's and it's different for everybody. I mean, the other things is that there are there are responses, you know, f- physiological responses that we may need other addi- additional help for too. The idea mm-hmm. is you can't necessarily just you know. I mean, I, and, I, and I just use myself as an example. I'm, I'm you know, I'm recovering from a lot of things, uh, uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, um, assholeism, but also but also from depression. And, and that's that's involved. That's involved medical help for my for my brain. And there's a there, you know, and, and you can you, know, you can still there's not the controversy it used to be, but it's in, in the program. It used to be a big controversy about that. But it's like, you know, um, I just tell people my brain's kind of glitchy, you know, it needs yeah. it, need, it needs help, you know. And and, yeah. uh, and and so we what we need to be sure we're t- teaching people, too, is we're looking we're here to problem solve. And it's like and if and if we're not getting the results that we're looking for. If you're not being, if you're not feeling better, if you're not being, not, not feeling good all the time, but I mean, just feeling better, feel, feel like we're making progress, then we got to keep going back and looking and seeing what yeah. are we missing. But we, we, and we need others to do that, right? Like we, have you ever played sports? When you're like I well. did basketball and volleyball. And, <laughs> yeah. And so when you're, when you're out there, right. And the coach teaches you something and you go and you can't see what your body is doing. You can't see that you're bending your yes. elbow out funny or, but the coach on the sidelines can see yeah. your mechanics. They have a perspective you don't have. And so mm-hmm. often people say to me, Oh, you probably know all this stuff. And I say, Oh no, I get to get out of jail free card because the closer I am, the less I know. Because the, the closer I am, I then enter the painting. Mm-hmm. And when I, you can't see the painting when you're inside mm-hmm. the painting. So I cannot have the perspective that someone on the outside can have. Now, with that said, as a child, we give the outside all the authority to define our reality. Mm-hmm. And what we do have is our inner wisdom and our intuition. And mm-hmm. so the outside may give us some feedback that is not accurate and not ours to carry. But we can 
work on discerning that who's safe, who's unsafe, you know, what, Mm -hmm. what is helpful information, what's not helpful information. And hopefully our therapists and those that are mentors and wise counsel will be those safe people that can say, Hey, here's something that I found helpful and help us to apply it to ourselves. And so it's very hard to have that direct insight with personal reflection. Absolutely. And that's, we that. need others to share that journey with. That's beautiful. I, what, what, I do, I, I do, I, I do a, this approach. I say, which one of us can, can describe my hand the best? I know, that's so good. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's just like, I can see it. I can see my hand. It's like, it's like, yeah. if I want to know what's going on, it's like, yeah. And that's, I love that idea that, and, and I love the analogy with, with the, with the sports or, you know, we, you know, sometimes we'll use the old, if you're watching the films, if you're thinking about football or whatever, you're watching the films after the, after the game, what are you going to see? And it, it's like, yeah. And it's, it's like, you know, you know, and if you're the left tackle in the football game, it's like all you all you're doing at the moment is, you know, and that's another thing that's that's a whole different subject. But it's like the idea that I think one of the things that we do that's unfair with ourselves is, is think we're supposed to understand everything that's going on while it's going on. You know, yeah. it's like insight, good insight almost always comes from hindsight. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, you know, you know, and it's like, it's, there's part of that hypervigilance that basically I think that comes with, with, with shame and with, with fear mm-hmm. and these things that basically says, I need, <clears throat> you know, I just need to have 360 degree awareness at all times. And, and you know, and a lot of mm-hmm. people grew up in, in situations like that, where it's like, we, but what you're also talking about is teaching people that they have the ability now to change their environment too. Like yeah. you don't have you, you don't have to, you know, you really, you know, it's maybe complicated to do it but you don't have to stay in a situation in which you're being you know perpetually abused it's not about you know emotional sobriety or anything else is not about oh you're just supposed to be put up with it it's like no you you know you 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 can you can influence it you can try to manage it you can ask for ask for what you need but if but if the situation is a bad situation you can get out yeah yeah. And, and you're going against everything that your body just got conditioned to do, which is yeah. to be there. Right. And you're mm-hmm. mentioning the, the, the football player on the field. They can't see the field like we can up on the stands. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're relying on their instinct mm-hmm. and they're relying on their uh, body memory. Mm-hmm. And they establish that by repeated practice. You do the drill over and over and over. And then before you know it, you are catching a ball automatically, instinctually. And that is the shaping of the brain with that repetition. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when we repeat memories, we repeat thoughts, we repeat words, we are wiring it into this automatic, involuntary, instinctual response that has been shaped. And so if who wrote wrote that book, that yellow, yellow paperback book on habit, uh, do you know I don't know. I, uh, I don't think I, I read it, but yeah, it's 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 it's, uh, I, it's <laughs> I'm thinking about it because because he talks about the football coach, the professional football coach Tony Dungy in there, and it's and and, and in terms of what he what he's done, and it's about and, and he and he talks about I'm, gonna, I'm talking about something I don't even understand, but he he's talking about he, he makes the point that I think is very consistent with, and I'll find I'll find the name of the person we'll put it in the, the link, Patrick, so that so that I'm giving this guy credit. It's like. like like, but he talks about he is the uh, the cue 
the routine and the and and the reward. And he says, you know, yeah. we don't we don't get rid of he he has that don't get rid of thing like you and I are talking about. And what he says is is you have to you we find a way to use the same cue and find a way of finding a similar reward, and we change the routine. He says you don't yes. you don't you don't get rid of habits, you change habits. And yes. it's like that little difference. It sounds right. like it's just semantics, but it's like no, it's so much bigger than that. It's like you yeah. you you respect, and it's always about repetition. Always about repetition. And that's what we need to practice thinking different, speaking different, making sure our words and our thoughts are aligned. And it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel like you just put your left shoe on your right foot and your right shoe on your left foot. But mm-hmm. you'll eventually get it to where it feels comfortable and yes. natural. And that's the hope is that yeah. we can change our instincts and our drives and or create new ones that can override the old ones. And, that's, and, and, yeah. and that piece of the un- discomfort is really important. It's, you know, one of the things I learned a long time ago is that when, you know, I teach this in my professional training workshops, when, when clients start to get, to get what they're there for, where they start to really feel something to cha- make changes, they don't say this feels great. They say it feels weird. The word yes. weird is what comes up over and over again. I actually have, we sell a little t-shirt online that says weird is good. You know? Yeah, and, weird is not and, wrong all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and every time I say, I tell people about that weird is good. I mean, I've countless times people have looked at me and said, well, of course you think so. I'm going, yeah. what, what, what? Is <laughs> But, yeah, but, it, but, but we do, like, but that's it. We have to have a tolerance for that because, because yeah. these are old coping mechanisms, whether it be addiction or eating disorder or beating the holy crap out of ourselves or whatever, they will all, they're opportunists. They will take advantage. And when we're feeling uncomfortable, so if, if something is new and weird, it'll come in and say, let's get back, you know, because unfortunately we're also programmed to consider, to feel that, that familiar is safer. Mm-hmm. And we have to, we have because, to work because with that we idea. miss, we, we are, if we're under the assumption that feelings are facts then we think if it's comfortable, it's good. And yes. we can get real comfortable with some really wrong things. And one of the mm-hmm. things that happens to our, just when we have addictions or compulsive behaviors and things is that we will deceive ourselves by turning what is wrong into what's right and convince ourselves that that's the case. And so wow. we have to yes. change that and go back to w- reverse it. What wrong is not right. Mm-hmm. And now let's get that corrected. Oh, wow. Well, hey, hey Patrick, I, 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 knowing you, you've probably had many things that you wanted to, to say during this time. <laughs> I, I, I realize I have just been, I've been fascinated with Sean and, I, and I've just, I've just, I've, I've just been going rapid fire here. What, what's, what, you know, I just keep finish, thinking, yeah, I just keep thinking no. that um, there's a lot of hope in what you guys have been saying about the process and trusting the process. And I think like I've been going to therapy since pretty much right when I got out of college is when I started. And, um, and I think that um, it, I didn't arrive with the immediate thought that I would be able to have that shift in understanding mm-hmm. about myself or the ability to overcome some of my behavioral tics and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with enough time and meeting the right people. Um, I think that I've gotten to a new place with all that. And I just love um, the kind of genuine optimism that you guys, you know, informed by your years of experience and your own struggles, you know, that the way that you look at this process of self-discovery and learning to run the organization better 
we're running a podcast, but I'm a bit of a seeker. So, you know, this is We're all on our journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, we'll be that way to the day we die. I mean, it's just, I'm get, I'm sure I'll have an epiphany on my deathbed while, when I start seeing the light, you know? And so mm-hmm. it just happens that way. And that is the truth about our humanity. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, no, I have the theory that, 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 you know, that God's a sniper and that basically whenever we actually figure it all out, that's when he takes us out. Because we might tell other people. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, I guess. Yeah, that's right. I have the John, this has been fun. This, I, I mean, I, I love talking with you. I knew I, I knew I would just from the brief time I've, I've seen you on uh, that one night on our support group. And I hope you'll come back to that wow. some and do some some responding because because you have so much yeah. to share. And it's it's like uh, and I have to, and I will admit that, that you make me I feel good talking to you, too, because because there's so many things that we we share in common. So, you know, it's like, I mean, I think I'm using that definition of genius is somebody who thinks like me. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, there is, there is a, there is a part of ego involved in that too, but, but you certainly today, just in this conversation, you've certainly added to, to my, my, my uh, thinking and my uh, knowledge base about, about this work. And I love how you bring it back to, to the, the, uh, the, the neuroscience of it, uh, the, the bringing it back to our physical uh, self and our, our literal brain. Uh, and mm-hmm. I want to know more about that. So, yeah. Yes. It's powerful. It's like how many times have we sat with parents who think their children are just being jerks. And then we explain to them that their kid has ADHD and mm-hmm. we see the parent go, Oh, you know, and then it's, there's a whole new reframe. And when we mm-hmm. deal with trauma survivors and we explain to them that your brain doesn't have the ability to think about thinking until you're 12 years or older, it's called metacognition. You couldn't mm-hmm. think through that situation at five and six, your frontal lobe wasn't developed yet. And they're like, oh, because we'll judge our younger versions to our current ability and our current thinking. And so when we correct that and they understand how their brain develops, they understand how environment affected their brain health and everything, it can really reframe the way we view ourselves and really foster self-compassion. It is hard being human and we all are struggling and some more obvious than others, but none of us are an exception to that. None of us. And shame will deceive us thinking we're that special, that we're the only one flawed in this world and we're just not that special. So we have to understand that we really are more alike than we are different and give ourselves that compassion for our healing journey. Beautifully said. I think we should let that be the last word, Patrick, because I think that's just, that's a wonderful summation. And uh, thank you so much, Sean, for being with us. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right. Until next time. Change your life. Change your myth. Cultivate your narrative with whomever you're with. Then with glass in hand and children on one knee. Bring some stories. Bring your stories back to me. It ain't a crime to be a human. Never be ashamed to be yourself. Rest assured that whatever you're doing entertain me like nobody else so here's to us my old friends until it's time to drink the wine and break the bread again
glass in hand and children on me Bring some stories, bring your stories back to me